like you just woke up when I when I asked you if you're ready, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you take me by surprise. Do I? No. Aw. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And uh, yeah, um, we are. We're glad to be back here. Uh, we're almost at the one year mark. Yeah. Next uh, next episode is going to be our one year anniversary. Show. I should have one of those. Yeah, things, but I don't have them with you, me. We we could at least have a kazoo or something. I know I should try to get that the next time we uh, record. Um, yeah. So actually, interestingly, before we get to uh, movies, we got actually uh, some comments on our last podcast. Oh, sweet. Yeah, actually, they were kind of historical related. Huh. Uh, because we, you know, as we know, we talked about a man for all seasons, and uh, a, 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 a listener. Gave us a few notes. <laughs> all right, all right. And thinks, and we got things wrong. Like, um, for, for example, this so this person uh, and his name's uh, Gabe Rodriguez, <laughs> of course. Yeah, thank you, Gabe. You little stickler. Although he's a dedicated listener and actually former guest, so I can't talk too much ill of him. But here's some of the things he said. Just that, enough ill. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, what did he say? What did he say? Henry VIII did not start Protestantism. Martin right. Luther did that in Germany. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then different Protestant denominations then started, such as Lutherans. Henry VIII invented Anglic Anglicism. Anglicanism. Anglicism. Yeah. The Church of England. Yes. Yes, sir. The Church of England, sir. Um, I guess that's pretty fair. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's true. He's right. Yeah. I guess maybe it's just we didn't mention that in the review, maybe? No, you were... Did I confuse the two? You you confused them. All right. Well, uh, to be fair, I I was... Jack is a communications major, so... I should it's... know how to communicate these things better. No, like the point yeah, is though. We, got, the point it, is we be- got it wrong. The point is before. Can I say though? Uh, now you you you're a student of history or a teacher of history or both. Um, is was Henry the Eighth the person though that before him there was only Catholicism? No, Martin Luther came before Henry the Eighth. Oh, okay. All right. So Luther sort of started Protestantism as right. we know it. Okay. Or is I, I I know this the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so actually, just really curious though, how different is the Church of England from other churches? Do you uh, know? Some people kind of say it's a lot like Catholicism, only English. But I'm I've never actually <laughs> been to an Anglican church, well, so uh, I really can't say whether are or there. Not a, it's how, I wonder if there. Are, sorry, it's really different or not. I wonder if there are Anglican churches in... I guess there are in the States. Sure. I, I've yeah. heard of Anglicanism, but uh, I guess they're just not as prevalent as just regular old Protestant Well, America's churches. got, like, so many. I mean, take, you can take your pick from a few dozen Protestant denominations, so... Yeah. The other thing that Gabe said, too, was that uh, he had mixed feelings about the film and thought it possibly promoted religious intolerance. Huh. I don't know. Well, I don't know how about that. I mean, it kind of shows religious intolerance. Well, any any historical film has to be authentic to its time. Yeah. I mean, Sir, Sir Thomas More was not uh, a person who was for freedom of religion for people who weren't Christians. Yeah. I and mean, he would he would have stuck by Christianity if it ever came up against another faith. So, uh 
Oh, well. Uh, well, that's how it goes. Uh, so thanks for sending us those comments. Um, thanks yeah, for keeping us honest. Yeah. Yeah, we need to be checked sometimes. I, I need to be checked sometimes, because sometimes I go through a whole day, and I don't know how to tie my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Jack wears sandals all yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm... Or not even sandals. I just walk around barefoot like our Lord. See? <laughs> All right. So in, 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 in light of that, though, um, uh, if you want to leave a comment, as Gabe did, uh, you can always leave a comment on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash wagesofcinema. And uh, <clears throat> you can also email us, uh, wagesofcinema at gmail.com. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can find us on Twitter, at wagesofcinema. Tweet us something. We like to get tweets. Um, I know Andrew is not. Uh, well, I guess maybe someday he'll be on the Twitter. Someday you'll 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 get pressured, or you'll 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 have a job that will make you have a Twitter account or something. Uh, as I uh, form my first Twitter account, I'll stab myself in the side. <laughs> you'll. Uh... <clears throat> yeah, you, you stab yourself. What is like? Just, what uh... torture? No, just just as suicide. All right. Um, and my first tweet will be, ugh. <laughs> that makes me think of, like, I feel like there's a Monty Python joke or something where there was the Holy castle Grail. of, oh, in the Holy Grail, it's like, I am, ugh. In the castle of, ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The castle of what? <laughs> Maybe he died while he was carving it. <laughs> He wouldn't carve in stone, uh, as he was dying. Maybe he dictated it. Yes. <laughs> oh, All boy. right, but Monty Python jokes and historical inaccuracy and religious intolerance aside, we yes. got to get to our two-minute movie mile. Yes, two-minute movie mile, where Andrew and I talk about uh, the movies that we have seen since the last podcast. And since Jack always watches more <clears throat> movies than I do, Jack, you go first. No, Are uh, you ready? No doubt. I, I am ready. All Let's right. Two minutes on the clock. Ready, set, go. Uh, spotlight. Um, I don't know how much you know about the uh, case involving the uh, uh, the Boston Globe back in around 2001, 2002, when they uncovered uh, a lot of details involving uh, pederasty in the uh, church. Uh well, I, I know the whole church uh, sexual abuse scandal. Well, that is... I didn't know... That, it's, it's worldwide. It is a rampant thing. Yeah. What this movie does is look at specifically the story of this group of reporters at the Boston Globe. It was actually called the Spotlight Section, hence the title. Oh. Um, <clears throat> and really a top-shelf cast. You have Michael Keaton and Mark Ruffalo, Batman and the Hulk. Sweet. Uh, together, Rachel McAdams is also there, and they're tasked by the new editor... Uh, you know, there are a couple of, huh, it seems like there are a couple of these cases of, you know, bad church abuse. Why don't you follow up on them? Okay. Oh, wait, it looks like we have 13 cases of priests. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's too low, they find out. <laughs> like, they talk to a psychologist who says, oh, no, 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 it's, it's much too low than that. You have to remember, and this guy says this in the movie, like, a sixth of all Catholic priests are, are pederasts. And Jeez. so they discover that, 90 priests in the Boston area over the years have touched kids. Um, so, yeah, kind of light viewing. Um, the thing that's great about this movie, uh, this is one of my favorites of the year, is uh, is that it's basically all the president's men, but with 
the church. You're you're following newspapermen. That's really the focus is kind of the joy of journalism. How when you're dealing with people who are into inquiry to try to discover a case, you're going step by step. There's even it's funny because Ben Bradley Jr. is a character in the movie. Ben Bradley was also in All the Presence Men. Oh, Go see this okay. movie. Like all the performances are fantastic and no one is showy. Like everyone is serves the story. Time. Ah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, spotlight. All right, so you ready? I'm ready. Uh, are you always ready? Uh, yeah, I'm always, always ready. Always, always, always ready. All right, go. Uh, Zombie, by uh, directed by Lucio Fulci. Oh, yeah, so uh, this is the second Fulci movie you've seen? Uh, yeah. After The Beyond? I, I think so. I don't think I've seen any other any more of his movies. Uh, the... This one has an actress named Tisa Farrow who I'm thinking may be a relation to Mia Farrow, because she kind of looks like her, but that's beside mm. the point. There is a scene where a zombie wrestles a shark. There is! Oh, man. you realize that there's very little trickery here. There is really a man <laughs> interacting with a shark. <laughs> yeah, but that is really a good doesn't point. matter, because 50 minutes after this movie starts, the plot begins. <laughs> yeah, it does. I remember... A lot of nothing happened in the movie until a lot of things happened. Yeah. Um, and then it gets... Uh, and then... Yeah, zombie stuff happens. It's kind of just... Very Italian. It's very Italian. Lucio Fulci loves his eye damage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this movie... If, you, if you're a listener and you have a problem with eye stuff in movies... This is one of those. If you don't like stabbed eyes or anything. Uh, and here's another thing. There's an actor in it who plays a uh, who plays the main scientist, okay. doctor. Yeah. His name is Richard Johnson. He is a he is a, an actor from one of my favorite movies. Oh, is that right? He played Dr. Markway in The Haunting. Okay. Huh. And I'm like, I know I know this guy. And I looked up his IMDb and like, yep, he he's the guy. But yeah, this movie's just kind of kind of crappy. Uh it's kind of like a... it, it carries a certain cult appeal that I think comes more because of the title. And in Italy, as I've told you before, it was called uh, Zombie Two because yeah. Dawn of the Dead was Zombie One. But this was written before Dawn of the Dead was. I Timed. heard. Uh, uh, sorry. Did you have more you wanted to say? Not really. All right. <laughs> All right. Here Your turn. Zombie. Okay. Ready, set, go. Uh, Mockingjay Part Two. All right. Um, so this I'm... had a really low opening, like the lowest of all. Oh openings God! For, Can uh... I go off on that for a go second? Ahead. That's that's bullshit. Right. Um, because all right, it got a it it made over a hundred million in the opening weekend. It didn't make as much as the previous films. That's what it said. That's well, that's what a lot of articles say. That you know, I I actually posted about this on Facebook. You know, if you if you make if you're a movie and you make a hundred million dollars and that isn't good enough for the studio, there's something wrong with your business model. Mm. Um, all right, but about the movie, it's good. Um, it's not my favorite of the Hunger Games movies. Now, for those of you who might have read the books, um, again they they took the Harry Potter approach here. They cut the the story in half. Yeah, ever since Harry Potter proved that you can do that and not piss people off, everything everybody does that. I have to wonder if this might have ticked some people off because I when I looked at these two movies and they also did it with Twilight, which yeah. of course was hot garbage. Um, but in this case, you know, the Hunger Games story is 
it has real power because they're trying to they're using a blockbuster format but it's it's about some heavy stuff i mean you're dealing with all of these districts fighting against the capital and it's presented in such a way that is pretty serious it's not taken lightly um it's almost this movie is almost more like an action movie in a lot of ways um you have uh uh jennifer lawrence once again is katniss she's she's good except that like what i said in my review is that it's a little tough for me to fairly evaluate this movie because i had read the book and a there were certain things just emotionally that weren't able to really properly translate to the film and then there are also surprises that i just it w- wasn't surprising um but donald sutherland is great in it also r.i.p uh philip seymour hoffman time last performance yeah all right um so i was thinking uh so among the movies that you've watched um how about for the next one how about we do one that we watch together yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll do the time for it. Uh, okay. Um, do you want to do both of them or do one and just then come one? Back? All right, just one and then we'll come back. We gotta pace ourselves on this. Yeah. All right. Starting now. Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Did he save Christmas? Really? Did you ever? Did you look up any information on this? I asked you how much movie, do, how much money do you think this movie made? Oh, I looked at. I looked up that. It made about uh, two million. All right. That's probably like. Five times its budget. That is still basically that. That does make this a con job. Like oh. I, I think that this movie, you know, Kirk Cameron has seen a lot. What a lot of these Christian spiritual themed movies have been doing, like God's Not Dead, and decided I want to try to cash in on that. Not that he hasn't been doing that for a while. He actually was originally the actor in the Left Behind series. Yeah. Um, and in here, Before Nicolas Cage got involved. Oh uh, yeah. But man, this movie. I'm still, we all sat there watching this movie for movie night, and we were just wondering, what is this guy on? Yeah. <laughs> like, I why? Watched... Because the plot of it basically is, there's a man. There's a plot? Yes, there is a plot. <laughs> there's a man named Christian who's really just burnt out over the holidays, and he's like, what is what is Christmas even about? Which is kind of a legitimate complaint nowadays. Yeah. But Kirk Cameron says, you're wrong. This is why you're wrong. And yeah, he immediately rebuffs him that, you know, all the things that, you know, Jesus might like us to do on Christmas. Um, yeah, yeah no, you're wrong. Okay. And, and his tactic is like, okay, this is why how I'm going to show you you're wrong. And it's like, okay, we'll go with it. But then the reasons he gives for why people are wrong about all certain things they really don't make much sense he's on another planet he basically says that the reason we have christmas trees is because christ was on the cross and the cross was made of wood which came from which means she's a duck (laughs) but here's the crazy thing about this it feels like it's rationalizing the worst excesses of christmas and it's even harsher because it's been doing done by christians Time. I, I wish we could talk longer about that movie, man. I, I think we can stop it right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll add one addendum for people. All okay, right. One addendum. All right. Um, this movie is stretched to 80 minutes thanks to a slow motion hip hop dance number. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Highlight of the movie, actually. All right. Oh, man. That, that movie. All right. So let me. Let's go, go on to all you. Right, all right. Let's do another one for me. All right. All right. Ready, set, go. Um, a short film about killing. Now, I've talked on the podcast before, and you've talked before, about 
the Polish director Krzysztof Kieslowski, who did the, Blue. The Colors Trilogy. Yeah, the Colors Trilogy. I also talked about uh, the double life of Veronique. Uh, Veronique. 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 Or in Polish, Veronique. Um, this movie uh, is interesting because he... In the late 80s, so Kieslowski, one of his major works is this thing called the Decalogue, where he did this 10-part series where each part was a story using the Ten Commandments as its basis. Um, And I've watched it, and it's phenomenal. But what's interesting is that two parts of it, uh, the segment Thou Shalt Not Kill and Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery were originally feature films themselves, and then he edited them down into to fit like an hour-length format. How does that affect the short? I mean, you said the, the, the Decalogue is a really good collection of short films. Well, a short, I mean, they're 60 minutes each. So they make, oh, okay. more or less, it makes up about 10 so hours. So that's technically a short film? I don't know. Well, the the film the, the 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 quote long director's cut is eighty minutes. Oh, okay. Now the thing is for me. All right, so this is interesting because when I originally watched this segment in the full scope of it, I loved it. It was one of my favorite parts of it. Basically, you're just following this young guy who's wandering about a town, and then he picks up a he he gets a ride from a taxi driver, and then he le- has him drive him out into the middle of nowhere and kills him. Uh, and then he's, you know, he, he's arrested and tried and, you know, he, he's hung by people. Uh, oh, God, how I finish this in a few seconds. Um, it has the most awkward jump cut I've ever seen. T- there's a transition that just does not work. Oh, I did not. Ugh. All right. If you want to read more about my thoughts on that, you can go to IMDb. Uh IMDb at jacksreviews.com <laughs> backslash arg. I don't know how to talk about this. Yeah, I, arg Charlie Brown face. <laughs> By the way, look for our new uh, blog, Lines from Linus, coming out soon, <laughs> where we highlight the most oh, profound things of Linus. Uh, as written by Charles Schultz. I forgot about that reference from the last episode. Uh, but seriously, if you if you go to the, the short film about killing IMDb page, just search the comments and you'll you'll see more of my thoughts because I have. Oh, I, I could say so much more about that. All right, but now let's go back to you. All right, because you, you're my you're you're my you're in my thoughts right now. Okay, go. Uh, Her directed by S- Spike Jones. Oh, good. Um. Yeah, I've I've seen this movie a couple of times. Yeah. Remember a while back I said, man, it's good Joaquin Phoenix is back on the horse. Mm. In this one, Joaquin Phoenix just kind of disappears. Well, I barely uh, I when I saw when I saw the main character, I it barely registered me to me that he was Joaquin Phoenix, the guy from Gladiator and from <clears throat> Walk the Line it's, and it's everything. Uh, it's the mustache. Yeah, it is the mustache. I think so. Yeah. Glasses too, or does he wear? No, he doesn't wear glasses. But he, he sometimes yeah, he, wears glasses. He has this little hipsterish mustache. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is the movie where it, you know it's set in a kind of nondescript future. Maybe and the a future few years is from now. really cool because the future is kind of stylish and laid back. 
for some reason. Like the people just wear really casual clothes, and it never seems like jetpacks and hoverboards and anything. Well, like what's that. Kind of, well, what's kind of cool is that the Jones shot part of it, I think, in China and part of it in the U.S. Hmm. But he used real architecture, and yet it's that sort of thing where I'm gonna I use real places, but it looks futuristic. Yeah, because it's just unfamiliar. Yeah, it has an alien, not alien quality, but it has a kind of disassociative, almost uh, alienating quality. Yeah, and Joaquin Phoenix plays a man who is getting over uh, his his wife. He's he's he gets this operating system for his computer and voiced by Scarlett Johansson, and he starts to fall in love with her. And she falls in love with him. Yeah, that's the curious thing. But this movie takes a lot of different turns, too. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not like a simple Frankenstein story, and it's not all, like, it's Terminator. A, it's a tender little movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then, like, because it's Spike Jones and because, you know, he's the guy behind being John Malkovich, he also has a couple of twists that are eerie and disturbing. I liked it. Time. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just remember, Andrew, if you ever fall in love with your AI... Make sure to check with how many AI that AI is talking with uh, at any one time. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. All right, good. All right. I'm out of movies, so you got to marathon it. Well, you have one more to talk about with me, but we'll get back to that. Okay. Your turn. Ready, set, go. Um, the Night Before. Um, Christmas. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, this is... Uh, we return once again to uh, the world of Seth Rogen. Uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Anthony Mackie. So for all of you nerds out there, we have a movie with the Green Hornet, Falcon, and Robin. Life is great, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so this movie, um, it, it's kind of like a big homage to uh, holiday movies, but it's also a holiday movie itself. Yeah. It follows these three friends who have been kind of doing it's this Christmas of, tradition every year. It's kind of like the hot fuzz of Christmas movies. No, not the hot fuzz. Um, no, no, the the world's end, which you still need to see. Right. All right. But the point is, um, uh, in this movie, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt's kind of the straight guy, he, or the straight man to this group. He wants to try to, you know, re reignite his love with this girl. Seth Rogen is the druggie. He, his wife uh, decides, all right, we're going to have a baby soon. I want you to use this night. December 24th, to get completely messed up. Here's a little box of drugs. And so he takes all of them. And it's Seth Rogen's funniest performance I've huh. seen yet, by far. Anthony Mackie, he, his whole plot line is kind of, eh. He's basically chasing a hipster, like, Grinch, who uh, has stolen his weed um, because she hates Christmas and feelings. Um, oh, man, there are a couple of cameos in this movie. I'm not going to spoil them. I shouldn't. Maybe I'll tell you off mic, but it it made me smile and laugh more than I have in a while. It's not a great movie. There, you know, some of the plots work better than others, but there are a lot of genuine big laughs. My favorite part is when Seth Rogen, completely high on mushrooms, goes with his wife's family into midnight mass yeah. and keeps seeing visions of demons to attack his Jewish life. Because um, you know, Jews killed your Lord. <laughs> I didn't want to make this too awkward. <laughs> oh, thank God! You didn't know how to respond to that, did you? I didn't. I had no idea, Jack. All right, so we'll continue with me. All right, ready, All right. set, go. Um, Brooklyn. Okay. Um, what's to say about this? This is a uh, uh, a little movie about a uh, a young woman. 
I always forget how to pronounce her name correctly. Sorry, Ronan. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. She's in Hannah. Um, she's this uh, Irish immigrant in the early 50s. Uh, she doesn't really want to come to this country, but there's this sort of program set up for her by the church. Um, and so she gets a little job, and she meets a young Italian guy. And they fall in love. In Brooklyn. Um, yes, Brooklyn. Uh, and But then she has to go back home for reasons uh, to Ireland. And, uh, and th- you know, there are little co- complications, character things. Uh, Please tell me this is a romantic comedy. No, not really a comedy. Oh, no. There are some funny little <laughs> bits, though. Um, there are a couple of TV actors that I saw in small roles that made me kind of smile. Um, this is one of those little movies that... I, I wish was made more in like the studio system, but it, obviously it fits into the independent film world, a eh, because it's Irish, I guess, and uh, big Irish independent film world. Yeah, well, not big. There are some. There's maybe like two made a year. Um, this one, uh, interestingly, the script was written by Nick Hornsby, who wrote High Fidelity and a couple other books. He didn't write the book that was used as a basis for this movie, hmm. but it's an inter- it's a fascinating story about how a woman kind of navigates, you know, kind of becoming an American from another country. But she also, you know, instead of falling in love with an Irishman, she falls in love with this Italian guy. So better or worse than West Side Story? <laughs> a lot less dancing. Uh, although That's there, a plus. although there is a nice little homage to Singing in the Rain. Um, this is just a nice little movie. You know, go take it just with your mom or grandma. Time. One of those movies. Oh, and Take it with your mom and grandma. That's yeah. Jack's review. And as a, a side note, I saw this movie right after I saw Spotlight. So it was kind of weird to see the Catholic Church in those two uh, dynamics right there. Jeez. Yeah, because in Brooklyn, the, been the church is shown you know, as being this nice, compassionate organization. <laughs> And Spotlight, it's like, why is anybody a Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, why Henry VIII started the Protestant Reformation single-handedly. Uh, correction. Oh. Yeah. Ah, did you know that you were saying that? I said it on purpose, yes. <laughs> oh, I, I was I was checking. All right, let's do our we'll movie together. Joke out. We have another movie to talk about. All right, so this one's red, together. Ready, set, go. We watched Roar. Roar? I had never heard of this, but apparently it's the film where... I had never heard of it until earlier this year. I, you know, again, the, the Tippy Hedren's career basically uh, uh, went I, south. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say she never acted after Marnie, but she got really small roles. And yet this was one Wasn't of the she ones in Pacific that... Heights, briefly? Oh, yeah, yeah. She Well, she had a cameo. <laughs> which is kind of, yeah, that's kind of funny. It's like when uh, Janet Lee popped up in Halloween H2O. Oh, um, but anyway, uh, so this movie, um, it was made when Jan- when, not Jan- when Tippi Hedren was married to this guy named Noel Marshall. And Noel Marshall somehow got into Tippi Hedren's head. We need to protect the lions and the yeah. tigers. So let's get a house in Africa. Let's just bring all the lions here with us. <laughs> and... Like on the on the front of the DVD, it says no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Seventy cast and crew members were. Yeah, because the lions <laughs> they use they use a lot of lions and a lot of tigers in this film and panthers and they're all wild. Yes, None they're of not them are trained. They didn't have a trainer on set, and I'm I just find it remarkable that they had a script. 
Yeah. I think they must have, but how I, did but, they how they direct how they get these shots? But the script is very thin. <laughs> sure. Well, there the, the thing now the biggest criticism I can I, give uh, what, is that there's no proper suspense. You're just watching people constantly running from animals and sometimes getting bitten on camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you clearly a, a lion tackles a guy and you see you see, you see clearly, yeah, that was a real tackle. That man's not getting up easily. Yeah. So, any thoughts like what was this a visceral experience? It was it was fun to watch. I just don't know what to think of it. Time. Yeah. Watch the trailer for this movie, guys. Maybe I'll actually I might post this on the Facebook page so that we can get some context. All okay, right. so the rest is up to me. Yep. Ready, set, go. <clears throat> uh, stolen. Uh, let's get into some Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah. And I mean Nicolas Cage movies that basically went straight to DVD. Ooh. Um, so this first movie, Stolen, actually isn't terrible. Um, the interesting thing about this movie, in a way it reminded me of Drive Angry, in that um, in both this and Drive Angry, the villain almost kind of uh, almost outdoes Nicolas Cage. Hmm. In this case, you have this actor, Josh Lucas, and Cage and Josh Lucas play these uh, these bank robbers, and um, one of them, you know, does you know tricks the other one on a heist, and uh, Nicolas Cage does like eight years in prison. When he gets out, at first you think like, oh, is he going to go find his money? But you know, Nicolas Cage just wants to reconnect with his daughter, who he hasn't really talked with in eight years. Josh Lucas, meanwhile, has gone completely crazy and is driving around a cab with long, like, blonde hair and um, basically holds uh, Cage's daughter uh, hostage, you know, Why? To, get, to get his money. But didn't, but Nicholas Cage was in prison. No, 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 no. Cage, like, hid the money away, like, so that nobody else in his crew could get it. So I should have made that clear. Why didn't he just ask him where the money was? Uh, because Lucas is playing a crazy person, that's why. Um, it, 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 some of this is actually kind of fun, though. Like I said, you have this back and forth, between, and Nicolas Cage gets to have some meaty action movie dialogue and little fights and stuff. Um, again, it's kind of trash, but it, it, some of it was kind of fun. It's set in the backdrop of Mardi Gras, so it, obviously it's very colorful. You have yeah. scenes where Nicolas Cage is running around chasing people, and he's trying to dodge floats. <laughs> things like that um how to float how to float how to float things like that um so yeah i mean this was not the worst nicholas cage movie not great Time. and let's keep going go keep again going. and so the next movie was called trespass um and uh so this one is really garbage um this is a joel schumacher movie hmm. our good old friend joel schumacher um in this movie nicholas cage is i think some kind of banker or he might be a security expert i don't know what the point is he has a huge house uh he's married to nicole kidman and he has his teenage daughter um and just as the teenage daughter is leaving the house she's sort of sneaking out to go to a party um these guys come to the house dressed as cops and they're there to steal all of nicholas cage's diamonds that he has in his vault um, because they saw him putting away diamonds in a vault or something uh, so the whole movie is them trying to be like, where are the stones? And, you know, kind of torturing him at times. And uh, a lot of psychological I am torture. Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like to watch it's, this film. There are a couple of moments where Cage does, uh, so to speak, Cage out. Yeah. He just gets really enraged at these criminals. But 
uh, there's just not a lot here. They try to stuff in this sort of character subplot where one of the thieves actually was working as like a pool boy at their at their place before and like fell in love with Nicole Kidman. And because he's nuts, it's like he's going to try and have her any way he can. And, oh, man, this was kind of interminable. It was it wasn't helped by the fact that Joel Schumacher just was getting overwrought performances from everybody. There was this actor named Ben Mendelsohn. I I forget who exactly he was. Like the criminals are all just stock yelling you know, lots of yeah. It's one of those movies where a lot of characters are yelling at times and screaming, but it's also just not interesting. So it gets yeah. on your nerves. Um, so yeah, if you're look, if you're looking to see Nicolas Cage movies, time not this one. Next, go. Um, this is called Trucker. Um, that that sounds like the most exciting title ever, doesn't it? Why don't they just call the film Main Character or Conflict? <laughs> or protagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah. What what trucker movie can be better than Over the Top, Jack? <laughs> well, that was more about that was about arm wrestling. But the but the, but the main character was a trucker. Does that mean it was a trucking movie? We didn't we know the actually, discussion about trucker movies. Right, we'll have to get to that podcast. in a moment. All right. So here's so this movie you get it's an independent movie with this actress uh, Michelle Monaghan. Um. And she's uh, like, it's it's kind she, of she plays large Marge. <clears throat> yes, she's not very large. She's kind of skinny. Um, she's this tough woman who had a kid like ten years earlier. Her her baby daddy is dying of cancer, so now she has to take care of the kid. And uh, you know, eh, we have to. I'm can I be a mother? Can I be a trucker? So so. On. The best part of the movie, though. <laughs> all right, here's the best part of the movie. Nathan Fillion is in it. Oh. He plays like her kind of maybe romantic interest. Like he's married to this other woman. That part seems but... perfectly fit to Nathan. Well, Fillion. no, but here's the great thing. So he plays this character named Runner. <laughs> so she's not named Trucker, by the way. Oh, but for some God. reason, he's named Runner. <laughs> but here's the thing. So we know Nicolas Cage from playing captains and big roles. He's Mal Edwards on Firefly. He's uh, in Throwing Nathan Adventure Fillion, Hour. Not, not Nick Cage. N- Nathan Fillion. You said Nicholas Cage. <laughs> um, so he, uh, yeah, uh, he's playing a real guy here. Cool. We haven't really seen that before, and I think he plays it really well. And I liked seeing that because you know he's always supposed to be either jokingly or seriously a, a tough guy. Yeah. Here he's just a normal guy caught up in this sort of should I date this woman? Should I not? And that's the best Time. part. Time. All right, and I have uh, one more. All right, last one. Go. Uh, the Long Riders. Uh, this I forgot to talk about. I think in the Starring last podcast. Starring Strong. <laughs> uh, if only. No. Well. All right. So this is a western with a casting gimmick. This movie right. is about the the adventures of the Jesse James gang, but also uh, I'm I'm blanking on the other names, but it's basically about like all these brothers who were in, in, like, one big gang. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking so, about. So Jesse James and his brother were in it. Yeah, so Jesse James and his brother are played by uh, Stacy Keach and James Keach. Then you have Dennis Quaid and, and Wandy Quaid. And then you have the Carradines, David, Robert, and Keith. Ooh. And then you have, I didn't even know these were brothers, Christopher Guest and Nicholas Guest as Robert Ford and um, some other Ford. Ford. 
Hen- yeah, Henry Ford. He, along with shooting, being part of shooting Jesse James, he invented the car. Um, so you're just following, um, you know, these bank robbers on their adventures. Um, this is directed by Walter Hill. And what's interesting about that to me is that he's made a lot of Westerns over the years. And he's actually made three different versions with, oh, um, with like different Western legends and featuring, uh, Keith Carradine, two of them. So he start oh. he does the Long Riders, um, and then uh, he does Wild Bill with Jeff Bridges, and then he directs the pilot of Deadwood, and um, and so oh yeah, the other uh, yeah, so the Ford, the Younger, and the Miller gangs. Okay. Uh, so for those of you keeping count, um, so some a lot of this is really good. Uh, I almost could criticize it because Walter Hill slips into Sam Peckinpah homage like big time, <laughs> lots and lots of bullets in slow motion and action. But it's a cool movie. It's not bad. I, I enjoyed the performances very much. Time. <sighs> and that is the two minute movie mile. I think we. I'm just looking over my list again. I think I got everything. You didn't have a third movie. Nope. You just had those two. Wow. Okay. It was a slow two weeks. Yes. And for good reason, but we'll, uh, that, we don't want to bore the viewers with your work. And that is the two-minute <laughs> movie mile. I'm, I'm kidding. We, well, when we come back, movies to talk about. So when we come back. We always we'll have movies co- to yeah, talk about. They're I mean, coming out of our ears, man. Yeah. You know, uh, we've got <clears throat> movies to watch. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the work of two auteurs. Yes. Two auteurs with some things in common that... You might not think about, so stay tuned.